Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message from our special guest minister. Thanks for tuning in today. If you have your Bible with you or your electronic Bible or something, hold it up, wave it around a little bit. We're going to get in the Word. It's going to be good. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, this is going to be good for me. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for us. Let's say it together. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Right now, I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, all-powerful, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated if you like. I guess you've heard that before. The reason I do it because my pastor, John Osteen, has gone to be with the Lord Joel as my pastor now. I'm faithful to the men and to the women of God that's imparted into my life. And if it wasn't for the Osteen family, I know that I would be dead and in hell right now. If it weren't for Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, I know that I would be in a world of trouble as well. So I stay true to those that have taken time to impart eternal things in words of life and encouragement into my life. Everybody, come on up, I say everybody. Everybody needs a pastor. You're in a safe place if you'll bring your heart, bring your life, and yield to the things of God. And these are awesome anointed people. I've known them a long time. And I, I don't connect myself to or associate with anybody that's, that's foolish about anything. And I know that their hearts are sold out for Jesus. They're in love with Jesus. And I can see the, the fruit of, of, of Jesus in this place today. So that's a great honor to be here. But that's why I do that because Pastor Osteen, Brother Osteen told me uh, in the beginning, he said, anytime that you share the word of God, you make our declaration. And he said, it is ours. And I said, yes, sir, I will always do that. I got born again May the 11th, 1980, and I was a mess. How many of you ever been a mess before? And uh, I walked into church. I was full of dope and full of the devil, and I was, uh, I was looking for trouble. And everywhere I went, I found it for no reason, but it was just always there. I don't know if you've ever been there before or not. I had permanent damage done to both my kidneys and my liver from drug abuse and drug overdoses and all that kind of stuff. I was basically a throwaway kid. My, my family was destroyed when I was five years old, and then my dad walked out and just things fell apart. He was my hero. And uh, everybody is looking for a hero, by the way. You're not going to find it in Hollywood. You're not going to find it in sports figures. You're going to find it in the King of Kings and in the Lord of Lords. He is the hero that will never leave you, never forsake you. He's with you to the end of the line. Amen? And uh, so anyway, I, I, I was in the middle of a bad situation. And uh, for 10 years, it was really bad. And I went into church at Lakewood Church, uh, Sunday, May the 11th, 1980. It was standing room only. It was Mother's Day. And I didn't know, and I wasn't going to stand up. And I turned around to leave, and some guy caught me by the arm and said, Hey, brother, I got a seat for you. And I snatched my arm away from him. And I said, You're not my brother, man. Get your hands off me. And, and I was real serious about that. And I said, I'm leaving. And he said, I got a place for you to sit. Now, there was one seat. Come on, say this with me. One seat. one seat. 
I found out that God has a prepared place for us every day of our life, even if it comes to a parking place or one seat somewhere. In John 14, Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to where I am. You can be there also. Every day of your life, child of God, there is a prepared place for you. And if you've not transitioned out of darkness into light yet, you might just be sitting here occupying space wondering what's going on. God brought you here because he loves you and he's got a prepared place for you right now that you can make your journey in victory with him. Amen. I got good news for you. God loves you. Come on, everybody say, God loves me. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, he loves you too. Now put both hands up and say, he loves us. And isn't that a wonderful thing to be loved? I am a man of love. I am a man in love with another man. His name is Jesus. He is first and foremost in everything in my life. And I want to encourage you men to be men and uh, love your wives. And I know a lot of guys get on these macho trips. How many of you ever been on one of those before? You might be on one now. I came to wreck that thing in your life today and derail it for you and get you on track with, with the love of God. Amen. It'll change everything. It'll change your perspective. It'll change everything you're doing, every place you're going, and where you're going to end up in your life if you will just allow him to, to do what he does best. Amen. And uh, so anyway, in this thing called life, uh, a lot of people are looking for stuff, and people are all looking for answers, and there's a lot of shaky things going on in the world right now. And when I came into church, they set me on the front row, and I'd never been to church. And so, I, and I had real long, crazy, wild hair and whiskers and all kind of stuff, and I, I was a mess, and I sat on the front row. Nobody condemned me. Nobody gave me a hard time. They loved me. They tried to shake my hand. They tried to hug me. I didn't want that. And, um, and they accepted me just like I was. See, I found out that Jesus will accept you anywhere that you are, any way that you are, unconditionally. He will not condemn you. He will not judge you. He will accept you just like you are, and he loves you enough not to leave you in that condition. Amen. He will lead you out of that that has been bondage and torment to you. Amen. And uh, so Pastor Osteen came up, John Osteen came up, began to preach and talk about the goodness of God. He preached Jesus. There was five or 6,000 people stuffed in the old building over there, the new building. I've done services in it. There's 18,000 seats in there. And uh, <laughs> it's wonderful. Joel asked me to come over and do a thing on their 50th anniversary. And because uh, Brother Osteen said I was one of the 20th century miracles of Jesus. And it happened in his house. And, uh, and so I was great advertisement for him everywhere I went all day long and every night. I got saved at Lakewood and Jesus changed my life and you just continue to tell what God had done for me. Well, my pastor told me to do that. The day after I got born again, I went over to his house at 1610 Mustang Trail in Humble, Texas. He, they said, this is where you can get our tapes. And so I remembered the address and people knew who I was and I knew who they were because of what he said where he lived. So I went over there the next day. I got saved on a Sunday night at Lakewood in the parking lot. Monday morning, I'm over there knocking on his door and Miss Doty answered the door. And she, oh my goodness, you know, and uh, I said, I need to talk to, to John Osteen. And uh, she said, John, there's somebody here to see you. 
And he came to he came to the door, and he's a small guy in stature. He's a giant in the spirit. But he came he came with his house coat on, and he looked at me, and he says, "My my," he said, "What can I do for you?" And I said, "It's all your fault." <laughs> and he said, "What's my fault?" And I said, "I got saved." Or I, no, I said I gave my heart to Jesus last night over at your church. And he said, glory be to God. And I said, I don't know what to do. And he started laughing, and I said, it's not funny. <laughs> he said, I'm going to teach you what to do. And I said, I have to be accountable. Come on, church, put both hands up right now and say, I have to be. Everybody get your hands up now. I have to be. I must be accountable in the things of God. Yeah, if you don't, you're not going to make it. I, I promise you, if you don't do that, it, it doesn't matter how much you pray and what you say, what you do and all that. If you can't do that in your life right there, that step number one, you're always going to have problems and failure. And you, my friends, are not designed for failure on any level. There's no way, no way, only victory. Amen? He said, uh, he said you know, I said, it's not funny. He said, uh, well, I'm going to tell you what to do. And I said, I want to be accountable. And he said, Dodie, come here quick. And he said, say it again. And I said, what? And he said, what you just said. I said, I want to be accountable. And I, I told him, I'm not going to make it if I don't. I knew that, and I, I hadn't even been saved, you know, 12 hours. Yeah. yeah, I knew it. And he said, say it again. I said, I want to be accountable. And he put his hands up and said, oh, glory be to God, if I could just get a thousand more to say that. <laughs> but there's a lot of people that's been accountable in the things of God. He's taught people right and got a great legacy going on, and it's wonderful. The night that I called upon Jesus out in the parking lot, I went back that night because of what I saw and experienced. What you do when you're in the house of God here affects people when they come in, but what you do when you walk out affects them as well. Amen. Live your life and be transparent. If I can't tell you anything, if you didn't get anything else today out of anything that goes on, get this, live your life transparent with God. Amen. That's where true freedom is. And I know everybody, how many of you really want to be free? Oh, you don't want to be free. You want to be free, man. But you know, no. How many of you really want to be free? Yeah, I'm going to show you how to get free and stay free and get across the victory line. Amen. <laughs> I saw Jesus in people, and I did not understand that. I saw the love of God, and I experienced in the atmosphere the peace of God, which I did not understand. I went back again that night, and there was standing room only again, and there was another preacher there called Norval Hayes. And I don't know if y'all know him, but he's, he's a wild man in the Holy Ghost. And uh, so Brother Osteen and Norval Hayes, both of them came and they forgot about the thousands of people around and preached to me on the front row, same seat, only empty seat in the house. It was for me. And I thought it was too easy. And I got up and I walked out into the parking lot and I said, you know, God, Jesus, I don't know if you're real like these people say, you know, I don't understand anything that's going on. But if you're real, I'll give my life to you right now. I'm, I'm calling you to a square right here, right now. If you're real, let's, let's get it on right now. And uh, he was there. And he hadn't left in 43 years. It'll be 43 years next weekend. Amen. 
He appeared to me next to me. I didn't look at him. I was scared to, but somebody was standing next to me. I didn't call upon uh, crystal, crank, heroin, cocaine. I didn't call on any of that, Harley Davidson, none of that junk, none of my brothers, anything else. I called on the name of Jesus, and he was right there next to me. And I was scared to look at him because I knew I was completely undone. And it was like a hand went right down inside of me, just right through me. And all of a sudden, I was, it was just like I got washed clean. No, I mean, I was clean on the inside. The life that I was living and the things I was involved in, I used to sometimes sit in this old uh, iron tub out behind the place where I lived, and there's a great big dope lab in Texas, and uh, out in the woods, and I would try to scrub sin off of me. I didn't know it was sin, but something was eating me alive from the inside, and I used to try to wash it off and scrub it off with a brush, and I couldn't get it off of me. That night when I felt that hand go through me, it, just that quick, it left from me. And, and I took a deep breath, and I like, and I, somebody, I believe it was Jesus, still standing there next to me. Then he reached right in, and just like his hand went right into my head and came right back out that quick. And when he did, I woke up out of a bad dream that I'd been in for all my life. It was over. All the buzzing, all the confusion, all the pain, all the horror, all the torment, all of it left instantly from me. And uh, then I took a deep breath, and I thought, oh, man, I'm fixing to die now, but I'm ready. You know, when you know that you're ready to die, that you know that you know that you know it's okay, that you're, it is well with your soul, that kind of knowing, I knew it was good, and I took a deep breath, and I was just going to just fall out on the ground, and when I did, I started speaking in tongues. Oh, yeah, and uh, I grew up in Louisiana, so I speak gumbo French and East Texas Hick, and people, I can't understand the guy. Well, that's true, but it's okay, amen. <laughs> I started speaking in tongues. I didn't know what that was all about, and God electrified me with his presence, delivered me from a 10-year bad dope habit. I've been drug and alcohol free, and I hadn't had to hurt another human being. I gave my hands and my feet to Jesus right there on the side of the road. And I said, Lord, I will never hurt another individual as long as I live, I promise you. And I'll give my heart in that word right there. And I haven't. Have I had the opportunity? Oh yeah, I had a lot of opportunities. Just don't take the opportunities that get you messed up, amen. So anyway, I began my journey with Jesus and it's been an awesome, awesome journey. I had two short videos I was going to play for, and that was me and that thing Brother Osteen did that, that guy was shooting a gun and, you know, weird stuff going on. <laughs> that was really me right there, and I did crack that pill stick over that guy. Dave Efren, he's a stunt man in Hollywood, and he lives out on, on the west side of Houston. He's a big guy. Anyway, he said, when, you know, he brought all these stage cue sticks, and he said, well, you know, just crack me on the back and do this and all that. We want it to look real. So I picked a real one up. When he wasn't looking, and we were, you know, getting in that thing, y'all just looking at it, and I, I broke it on him, man. And he looked, he turned around and looked when they turned the camera off. Joel was doing that before he was pastoring. And uh, <laughs> he said, man, that looks so real. And Dave looked, and he said, man, what's the matter with you? You crazy or something? I said, yeah, let's do it again. Let's do it again. <laughs> but he's a great guy that loves God as well. But God was in the midst of all those things. On our journey, come on, everybody say, I'm on a journey. I want to do it right. Yeah, there's a right way to do things, and then there's a wrong way or our way, and our way is always wrong. I can promise you that. There's three things that you cannot do without. One, two, 
three things. Isn't that easy? There's three things that you cannot do without on this planet. Number one, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. From the King James, <laughs> whatever version you're reading, it'll be good for you. Stay in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, or there is no putting away, or there is no freedom. Man was born in sin. The whole human race is dysfunctional because of sin. The paycheck for sin is death every time. Doesn't matter who it is, where it is. The paycheck for sin is death. Amen. The gift of God is eternal life and goodness. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that can cause a human being to be set free Bought, paid for in full, and restored to your original creation purpose. Your original creation purpose, quit sweating it. What God wants with you is to know him and to make him known. That's so easy. Everything in my life is easy because Jesus never complicated anything. He always put it to me where I can understand it and get it. A two-year-old can get it or a rocket scientist can get it. Amen. You fit in there somewhere. I know you do. Come on, everybody say, I'm getting this. Come on, everybody say, I'm getting this. Yeah, this, this is going to help you. How many of you really want to be free? Always acknowledge the blood of Jesus and let him have his way concerning those things. Amen. Pastor was talking about, you know, the tithes and the offering a moment ago, and he said, well, a man robbed God. Malachi chapter 3 talks about it. Take a little side trail here for a moment and just to encourage you in some things. How many of you know that, that, that if you steal something, if you're a thief, it's, it's a problem? You can burglarize a place, you know, and come in and be charged with burglary and theft and stuff like that because the individual's not there. Now, do you look at the word that God said, will a man rob me? Robbery is a totally different charge. That means that the individual was standing there when you stole what they had, and it's a more violent act. Brings a heavier charge with it. God's standing right there in the midst of these things because the tithe belongs to him. This is what caused the human race to fall in the garden with Adam and Eve. It was all fixable, doable, and it could all been avoided, but it didn't. Now, when we tithe, we don't handle it with disrespect or dishonor. And he said, so bring it into the storehouse. And it so blessed my heart to see you bring it into the store. He said, don't send it in and don't be flippant. He said, bring it in and give the honor due me that I deserve. Amen. The offering, the seed is totally different than the tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord, not mine, not yours, not anybody else's for consumption in the priesthood. It belongs to God. The offering, that's the seed that we have. God says that he supplies seed to the sower. Come on, everybody say, I am a sower. I am a doer of the word of God. Yeah, he supplies seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Genesis 8:22. as long as the earth remains, seed time in harvest is in effect. Amen. And then there's alms, that's for the poor and different things like that. So there's three different realms of financial things. Every time, listen to me, church, every time that you honor God with your tithe, there is a prophetic voice that's being released in it, and you need to declare it out of your own mouth every time that you do. 
as you honor God with your tithe, you need to make the declaration that I, every time I tithe, I'm honoring you, Father, and I'm declaring my financial independence from this world's economic system. I am disconnected from it, and I've got nothing to do with it. This world system, Babylon, Egypt, whatever you want to call it, mammon is a spirit, and it is designed to keep people in bondage and slavery. And that's nothing about God. God is your source. Come on, everybody say, God is my source. God is my supply. God will never fail me. Yeah, this is the reason we don't want to rob him and we want to honor him in situations. Listen to me. What you disrespect, how many of you ever been disrespected before? How many of you chapped you? Some, how many of you really got to you? How many of you ever been disrespectful? Mm-hmm. How many of you beat your fist on the wall or something? Nah, you know, I, I earned this respect. I'm demanding respect. That's fear. That's not respect. Huh? How many of you have loved ones right now? Let me just break a hole in this thing right now that healing can come to you. How many of you will be honest and have situations in your family where there is a disrespect between husband, wife, children, parents, the whole nine yards, whatever it is, is disrespect and dishonor in the situation, and you've demanded respect, you've done everything to try to cause, you know, you're going to respect. See, I lived in that world where people say, hey, they're going to respect me or else, you know, and that's fear. Anybody in that category in here today? Anybody? I'm fixing to pray for people, and I'm telling you, I am a miracle man. Amen. Amen. <laughs> if God doesn't touch you, I'll leave the planet. That's how, that's how confident I know what God will do for every person in here if you will be honest with him. Amen. Only the honest receive from God. Only the hungry receive from God. Only the thirsty get what they're thirsty for. Amen. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. A lot of people are quitting, giving up, folding the towel and whatever. Not me, bud. I'm just getting started. I am in my prime and I'm enjoying every minute of it. Amen. Woo. It's great. <laughs> if you're dealing with a disrespect situation, listen to me. Say this with me. Respect, Respect. is a gift. Is a, gift. A, gift is a, a gift is a seed. Every seed, every has, seed. Promise has promise of future harvest, future harvest. within it. Yeah, when you make the choice that somebody might be acting like an idiot, I don't know, but you do. You can disconnect yourself from certain situations that's not right. That's great. But you can respect an individual because God loves them. Amen. Amen. And by faith, come on, say by faith. Why am I making you talk? Because this is the way it works. Whatever's coming out of your mouth working for you or against you. Don't care who you are. God is no respecter of persons. He respects and honors faith in his word, period. He, our emotions. How many of your emotions ever got you in trouble before? How many of you ever been on an emotional roller coaster? Up one day, down the next, and over here, and over here, and people taking pills and doing all kinds of stuff trying to control it. You can't control that. Huh? Yeah. Have holy emotions. Yeah, let, let, let something holy get into your emotional realm to your soul, man. 
huh? To your mind, will, and emotions, huh? Yeah, it's great. It's awesome. Nothing wrong with emotions. Just let them be holy ones. talking to pastor yesterday and we were having some Chinese food. I like it. <laughs> and uh, he said, you're always so laid back. You're always so calm. You're always so easy to talk to. And I said, well, so is Jesus. Amen. Think about it. Amen. If you got a disrespect situation going on in your life with anything or anybody, you don't have to agree with something that's out of order, but I'm just asking you to consider these things, pray about it, and sow a seed of respect by faith and watch things begin to change. It'll change. Amen. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Amen. Don't sow fear. Sow the love of God concerning it. Without the shedding of blood, there's no freedom. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the second thing you can't do without. <laughs> My Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, for without faith... Did you get that? Without the shedding of blood, can't do without it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, how many of you have heard people talk about, oh, you know, that faith stuff? That's disrespectful. That's dishonorable because everything about God and everything about the kingdom of God, everything that operates in the kingdom of God operates by what? Faith. Faith, faith is a precious commodity and faith will work for you. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Every time the Word of God approaches you, there's an opportunity for faith to grow in you. See, you have God's faith. According to Mark chapter 11 and verse 22, Jesus told his disciples, "You have," he said, have the faith of God. Come on, everybody say, I've got this. Just these over here. Let me hear you over here. Come on, everybody say, I've got this. I've got this. All right, let me hear over here in this section. This. Now, what about these over here? I've got this. What about all the way around the top? I've got this. Now, everybody together? You absolutely do have it. Jesus said, have the faith of God. It's available to you. The measure of faith that God has given you is not something that's going to hurt you, and it's not just a little bit. A lot of people think, well, it's just a little tiny bitty faith. Well, that's, that's where we start. How many of you, when you were born, you had fingers and toes and hands and stuff like that and didn't know what to do with them? Huh? You could do weird stuff with them when you're little. Huh? You put one foot behind your head and pick your nose with your finger and all that. And it's, you know, crazy. Look at him. Isn't he cute? Well, that's terrible if you grow up and still do that. <laughs> Amen. A lot of times we don't understand that we have things. We have feet to walk on and legs to walk with and hands to move stuff and all kind of stuff. Everything we have need of, God's given it from the beginning. The faith that he's given us is something that we let develop in our life and use it. Amen? Amen. Have the faith of God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
Don't let people try to talk you down about faith. And faith has a vocabulary. Well, I prayed and I tried this and I tried that and it didn't work. Exactly. You tried it, you didn't do it. Come on, everybody say, I'm a doer, I'm a doer. of the Word of God. Point at your neighbor and says, so is my neighbor. Yeah, that includes us all. We don't disconnect from our family, the members of the body of Christ. Amen. We need one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I need you. <laughs> and look back at him and say, I need you too. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I didn't come to hear this. Well, <laughs> it's good for us. Amen. Amen. Faith, how many of you know that faith is a product of the spirit? It's not a product of your thought life. You can thank yourself till you got a headache and things are not going to work the way they need to work. You can trust God, agree with what he says and release the force of faith out of your spirit through your mouth, which is a birth canal for seed to come out of. Amen. Every word. Come on, everybody say every word, every word. is seed. Yeah, Jesus taught his disciples a, a parable in Mark chapter 4. He said, learn this parable, know this parable. This is the way the whole kingdom of God operates. And he talked about <laughs> the power of a word. The word is seed. And then he talked about the conditions of man's heart and the way that things operate in it. Amen. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I am a defender of the faith. Because I know that I would not be born again if I hadn't got saved. I had enough faith because somebody shared that much of the plan of salvation with me. And I told them, I said, a man would be a fool to say no to that. And the guy stuck his finger in my chest and said, fool. I heard enough word that got me to make a step towards God. Faith, faith, faith. You don't have to have a lot. Just use what you got. It'll grow. It'll develop. It will mature. It's a wonderful thing. Amen. You've got great instructors and great teachers and great mentors and great pastors sitting here to put good things in you. The last thing, number three, this is something you can't do without. Come on, everybody say, this is easy. Yeah. Everybody say, I can do this. Yeah. In John 15, 5, Jesus said this, red letter right off his lips. Head of the church said this. He said, without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. Amen. If you can get a hold of these three simple little things, always honor the blood of Jesus. Always operate your life in the realm of faith, which pleases God and causes things to happen the way they need to. And then realize that I can't do anything with that. I realize that in my life, all the things, I, I made a lot of money before I met Jesus and I lost it all. I can't give an account for hardly anything. You know, you can party your brains out and stuff will pass through your hands and you got nothing to show for it. Then when you meet the source of life, what happens? It all changes. Amen. If you're chasing money, Turn the cat around, rubbing the fur the wrong way. Being high and hot pursuit of God 
He's the one that will prosper and bless your life. Jesus said this in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. That would be us. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I want to encourage you in a few areas of your life that whatever God's called you to do, spoken to you to do, given you a dream, a vision, you're never too young, you're never too old, and you're never without those things coming to pass in your life. Amen. Amen. I've been walking with Jesus for 43 years. It's real. The beauty of things that happened is my life was destroyed, my family life was destroyed, and we had to try to figure a lot of things out on our own, and that's a scary thing when you're a kid. But it's, 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 it's weird how, you know, wrong people can cross your path and teach you wrong things and get you into bad situations. They were trying to give me and five other brothers life sentences in Angola, in Louisiana, and for the rest of our natural life over there, that we were guilty of stupidity and things that we had done, but they were overzealous when they got us and never going to make an example out of us and tell the whole parish that we were a menace to society. We're just youngsters. We did, we're just stupid. But we were doing what stupid people do. Huh? Stupid is what stupid does. You ever been there before? Woo, man. Anyway, so uh, they blew it, had to let us go, got into more trouble. I was introduced to, to people that were, they were big, hard, you know, just hard men. And they taught me to live life the way you live it, the way you want to live it. And you do what you want to do and you take what you want and, you know, and you don't be a part of the system and all that. And there's a lot of people living in a lot of strange mindsets. Do you know that a mindset is your toolbox that you operate out of? And if you don't use the correct tools, you'll not get the job done efficiently or correctly in your life. This is the importance that, that uh, Paul talked about in the 12th chapter of Romans. He said for us to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. A lot of people say, oh, you know, I'll die for you, God. God doesn't want you dying for him. He wants you to live for him. Amen. Somebody told one of our patch holders in the tribe of Judah, uh, a guy in a 1% club came up to him one time years ago and said, you willing to die for that patch? And he looked at him and he said, brother, I'm going to tell you something. It's harder to live for it than it is to die for it because it says tribe of Judah's got a big gold cross on it and Jesus is Lord. <laughs> and that's in everybody's face all over the world. And then he pulled his pants legs up and he had lost both of his legs, one of our brother's. And he says, I'm out here riding, and I'm out here serving God, and I'm out here to tell you that Jesus loves you, and so do I. Amen. And the guy backed up a little bit and let him pray for him. Amen. Amen. It's not a matter of dying. You die to self, and you live under righteousness. Amen. And it's, it, that's where true freedom is in these things. Anyway, I asked the Lord, because I, I, I didn't know how to dance and sing and do all this stuff, and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't know where I fit in. You ever been there before? He might be there right now. I don't even know what I'm doing here. It's great to come to church. And when you leave from here, you need to take something that you got here and go out and share it with somebody. Turn the light on, leave it on. Amen. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill that cannot be hid. Let your light shine wherever you go before mankind everywhere. 
This is one of the most exciting things that a human being can do is to fall in love with Jesus and let the light of God's glorious gospel begin to radiate from you and watch people's lives change everywhere that you go and everything that you do. God will move. Amen. Amen. I said, Lord, I don't know anything about anything. Turn it up. You got a button, turn it up. Trying to be kind to you and not blow your eardrum out. If you don't like it, turn it up. Yes, sir. I'm holding it here now. <laughs> I said, Lord, I don't know where I fit in. I don't know what to do. I can't sing. I can't dance. I can't do all this stuff that church folk do. I found out that some church folks are mean. Some church folk are cruel. Some church folk are critical. Christians aren't. Christians are Christ-like. Big difference, amen? And it's wonderful to be in a household of faith and be in a place where it's people full, the church is full of Christ-like people. Christians. Come on, everybody put both hands up and shout, I am a Christian. I am a blood-bought Christian. I am a church-going, loving, Bible-believing Christian. I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to hear pastor. I can't wait to hear what God's going to say. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. And when he does, I will go and do the same thing. Jesus said, well, I only do what I see my father do. I only hear what my father says. Amen. And I say what he says because I hear what he says. Now, he said, go and do the same. Go into all the world, church, and preach the gospel, the good news to everybody. Doesn't matter how young or old you are. Doesn't matter if somebody says you've got a handicap. God says you don't. <laughs> People said I was autistic. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> People said I can't talk. I don't care. People said I wasn't nice to look at, that I was scary and weird. I don't care. I met life himself, and I cannot contain that within myself. It is impossible to let him come into you and keep him in there. Some people have got God as a prisoner. You been hearing this? Let me out. Let me out. That's God wanting to get out of your mind. People holding God captive in their natural mind, trying to figure it out. God doesn't need all that. All he needs is your cooperation. Amen. He doesn't need your ability. He needs your availability. Right. You put God on whatever ability you got, and it's going to blow people's socks off. Right. Amen. Amen. I'm a professional at doing that. That's what we do. We blow people's socks off. Amen. We've made history on this planet. They sing songs about history makers. Y'all sing that and you're looking at a history maker. I'm not bragging on me. There's never been a motorcycle club on the face of this earth that, uh, or a ministry. There's never been a motorcycle ministry on the face of this earth that has been called, anointed, equipped, and designed to minister to outlaw motorcycle clubs, the one percenters. The Hells Angels, the Banditos, the Outlaws, the Pagans, all these different clubs. 
That's what God said, this is what you do, and he anointed me to do it. We've got chapters all over the world, and this is what we do. We minister to outlaw motorcycle clubs. We used to go to Sturgis up here, still do, but the first time we came up here, I didn't come as a heathen. This time I came as a Christian, just right down the road, a couple hour ride down the road, right here in good old South Dakota. Beautiful place. We pull in up there and all the churches are closed. It, it Sturges at the bike rally. This is years ago, beginning in 1980. We were looking for a place to, to roll out in some basement or something <laughs> at a church. Didn't want to go to the campgrounds and live with them. We were going to go just share Jesus with them, but we would come back and say our prayers and spend our time in fellowship in the Word of God in church basements or something where we wouldn't bother anybody. And everybody thought we were scary because we still had real long hair then and big whiskers and all that kind of junk and road choppers and greasy and bugs in our teeth and all that. But we loved Jesus. <laughs> and we were full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And so we, we pulled in there and I finally found one church and this guy was packing his car and I walked up to him and he said, oh man, you know, he's trying to tell me, don't rob me. I said, man, I'm not going to do anything to you. I said, you the pastor? He said, yeah. I said, well, praise the Lord, brother. And he didn't even want to shake my hand. I said, I'm a Christian. He said, you don't look like one. I said, what do they look like? This, this is rare. This is just for you. I promise you, this is, this is just for you. <laughs> I don't mind. I wanted to honor the man of God in the house of God here. Amen. <laughs> I said, uh, why are all the churches closed? Oh, there's nothing going to be but hell going on around here for a whole week or more. Hell everywhere. We all leave. We go on vacation. I said, my God, this is the biggest fishing hole on the planet right here. What do you mean you're going to leave? My God. I said, can we stay in your basement? And he said, oh, go ahead. And we did. We set up our headquarters right there. Huh? We started going to the racetrack, to the uh, campgrounds, everywhere. Preaching the gospel, living it, demonstrating it, laying hands on people, casting out devils. That's awesome. I love casting out devils. Woo! <laughs> Miss Tammy, my rich, young, beautiful wife, by the way, she's not my old lady. She's my rich, young, beautiful wife. We've been married for 40 years come uh, November, around Thanksgiving. And I, I thank God for her. She's full of the Holy Ghost. She's full of power. She's full of faith. She don't mess around. There ain't no letting her hair down behind closed doors. I've lived with her for 40 years, married to her. Huh? She is a demon terrorizing Holy Ghost nuclear weapon <laughs> on the face of this earth. She really is. We were in the airport coming up here and we had a layover in Denver. All we had to do was get on the little whatever that thing is, the moving sidewalk inside the airport. We only had to go like 11 gates, man. I thought, I'm looking around. I said, yeah, Lord, we can do this. And we're on that thing going along, and her radar eyes saw this shirt. It said, not today, Jesus, and had a satanic goat head on it. She jumps off that thing and scales it and took off. She said, pray, I'm going to get her. I'm casting it out of her <laughs> at the airport in front of thousands of people. 
And before the girl could even see her, she, the girl didn't even know why. She just took off running, running for her life. Yeah, the devil, run, run. Girl just cut and run and didn't even know why. And Miss Tammy's chasing her <laughs> through the airport. <laughs> Sometimes I pray for the devil. That's a poor, poor guy. <laughs> You're fixing to get it, buddy. <laughs> we were eating lunch at a Bennigan's uh, restaurant one time after church. And uh, minding our own business. You know, when you're minding your own business, God will get in the midst of it because it's his business. And so we walk in and we're sitting there fixing to eat. And then all of a sudden, this lady goes crazy. I mean, just lost her mind at the table. Started screaming and squealing and carrying on. How many of you ever seen somebody do that? How many of you done it yourself before? (laughs) Yeah, and she's just going off. It was demons. And this guy that was sitting there with her was a pastor. Yeah. And he said, he looked over, he said, brother, he said, don't you pastor the River God Church? He said, yes. He said, I need help. <laughs> I said, what's going on? He said, she's losing it. I said, that's nothing but the devil cast it out. And he says, I don't think I can. And I looked at him and he, I said, you're a pastor? Yes, sir. I said, what are you doing with her? That's not your wife. Yeah. And the whole thing just blew up. Well, Miss Tammy went over there and cast the devil out of her. And boy, her hair was spinning around and finally her hair piece flew off. Not hers, but the the lady that was demon possessed. (laughs) And looked like she'd been rode hard and put up wet. But finally she looked over at Miss Tammy and said, thanks, I needed that. And the pastor repented. And there was something good that happened for everybody. So you can be in the midst of a mess or a situation and God can move in it and just bless and help and set everybody in the right direction. Amen. Seen so many people's lives. We've seen millions of people saved over the years. We've been able to minister to tens of thousands of people in the club world all over the face of this earth. Amen. It's been wonderful. It's been an honor. It's been a privilege to be able to do so. And I've been threatened at gunpoint several times. Actually, it's been four times, three without any shots fired. The last time there was seven shots fired at me from about from here, that camera back there, and none of them hit me. Huh? Now, the first time this happened, (laughs) see, people talk about persecution, man. We live in America. There's really not that much persecution. They might call you a name, you Bible thumper. Big deal. Has anybody been at your door wanting to cut your head off for it or something else? That's real in some places. Amen. Anyway, the first time I ever got some real resistance about what I did because church people hated me, didn't like me because I didn't conform to the way they thought I should. My pastor did because he said, oh, go into the world. Tell the untold, reach the unreached, love the unloved, I'm with you. Oh, glory be to God. He was all in. Yeah. And church people, not over at Lakewood, but just other people, what's the matter with him? Always picking on us. And then the guys we were going to were, what's God doing out here? He loves you. And by the way, Faith Family Church, 
If nobody has told you today that they love you, Jesus loves you, and I love you. You are loved. You are loved by God, and you are loved by mankind. God believes in you. That's what God told me to tell men, and I know some rascals, certified rascals. And this is what the Lord told me. I was up in the Black Hills praying when he spoke this to me years ago. He said, you tell these men that I love them. And he's telling you today that I love you and I believe in you. And I have great things in store for you. And they are happening now. God believes in you. If nobody or nothing else does, God does. I've been shot twice. I've been stabbed 13 times. I've been set on fire before and drug underneath a car. And then I met Jesus. I haven't been shot or stabbed, but I've been shot at. Point blank. With a 40 caliber weapon. Hmm? Devils twisting off. You stand your ground in God you do not compromise the word of God ever for any reason or anybody, never. The word of God cannot fail and will not fail. Amen. First time this happened to me as a Christian, I was praying. How many of you spend time praying? Three of you, four of you? <laughs> Prayer is just communication. What does the planet have? A failure to communicate. People just need to be communicating with their heavenly father. Amen. He wants it. You talk to him. You don't have to bring all your problems and tell him about your problems. He knows all about that. All you do is just come to him, talk to him, let him know how awesome he is because he loves you. Then you develop a love relationship with him. And in the midst of it, he'll, oh, by the way, this stuff you need taken care of, I got it. Amen. That's how easy it is. People got all these steps to prayer, and people get mad and say, it didn't work, I tried it. Well, you tried it, didn't do it. Biggest thing, just fall in love with him. Hmm? This is another thing about robbing God in Malachi. Does God need your money, my money, or our money? No, come on, say this with me. God's not broke, God's not broke. <clears throat> never has been, never, has been. never, will, be. never will be, and neither am I. Neither am I. Yeah, yeah, you follow after him. Amen. 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 Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Be ye imitators of God as dear children. Copy him. Yeah, copy him and follow him likewise. Now I'm out in the field, I'd been praying, the Lord told me to go talk to a certain individual <clears throat> who was a notorious individual. He liked shooting people for no particular reason. He was dangerous. And a lot of dangerous people I knew were scared to death of him. They didn't want to talk about how scared they were of him, but anytime he showed up, everybody cleared out. And the first time I met him was at a dog fight, a bulldog fight. Huh? Boy, what a place to have church. 
this guy led to the Lord. He said, man, this guy, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say his name. Prince Tammy said, quit telling people's names. I said, okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he's notorious in Texas, big time. And uh, he says, he needs to get saved. Man, this guy's nuts. He's crazy. He shoots people all the time. Now, you know, somebody come get pastors. Oh, man, this guy won't shoot everybody I know. Man, you need to come talk to him about Jesus. Huh? <laughs> right there with you. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I said, I'm gonna, I'll pray, and then God will fix it up where we can meet each other. I spent my time in prayer, did diligence in prayer, and then I got invited to a bulldog fight to come and be a witness. I'm talking about teeth and blood and hair flying and dogs doing stuff and all these people were crazy, man. Everybody's messed up. And I show up and everybody started breaking their dogs loose. Everybody started running, getting in vehicles and taking off and all that. And I said, what's going on, man? I'm fixing to speak the word. They all cleared out. Devil didn't want none of them to hear the word. So what did he do? He sent one of his soldiers in. And here he comes. And he's coming up in a, in a, a P-Row. It's a little boat. And he's drinking water out of this nasty creek he was in. And he's got crazy looking hair sticking out everywhere. And fangs sticking out of his mouth. His teeth are all messing. Boy, just sticking out. And, and he's growling and grunting and big whiskers and oh, he smelled terrible. You could smell him all the way to the parking lot. Dogs were, oh. I'm serious, I'm not exaggerating. This guy was horrible. He's a murderer, he's a killer, he loves it. And he comes up out of that river bottom and he walks right up at me and he's looking at me and his eyes are all yellow and black checkered. He ain't look like a person. He looked like a snake or something to me. And he's looking at me, and he's got his, his pistol in his back pocket. He reaches around there and puts his thumb on his pistol, and he said, who the hell are you? I said, my name is Ben. I stuck my hand out, and I said, I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you, and I love you too. He looked at me, and he said, huh? And he looked at this guy, Danny, that I was with. And Danny said, he's real, buddy. You gonna talk to me about Jesus? Yeah. All right. I want a fifth of whiskey and a case of beer. Bring your Bible and I'm gonna ask you questions. I said, I ain't buying you no whiskey and I ain't buying you no beer. Danny said, I will. <laughs> because I want to go and watch this. <laughs> it's true. So they bought all that, and they're sitting there. Now, we're sitting on a screen porch in the middle of nowhere. Huh? There's nothing but shallow graves everywhere. It was the freakiest place I've been in a long time. I'm on assignment for God. This is Sunday School 101. <laughs> This guy would ask me questions out of the Bible. He'd ask me something, and he said, now you show me in that book. And he had a, he had a revolver sitting there on his table and a fifth of whiskey. And he'd snort on that thing, and he'd look at me and just stare a hole in me. 
And I'd answer him, and I'd show him in the Bible what it said. And he'd sit there, take a drink, think about it for a while, and he'd ask me something else. And I'd say something, and I knew he didn't like it because he'd kind of flinch, and then he'd reach over and pick his pistol up and pull the hammer back on it. So I had to sit there cool as a cucumber. If you're in him, in Christ is a real place, by the way. That is a real place. If you be found in Christ, you're in a real place. Amen. Amen. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It doesn't stop there. It says, I will say of the Lord, or I will say of the Word. He is my strength, my refuge, my high tower, my fortress. And it goes on and on and on. And finally it says, nothing's going to cause harm to you. You will be a spectator to the calamity coming on your enemies. Yeah. But you got to say of the Lord and in the secret place in Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, that's the place to be. I got lost in God May the 11th, 1980. And I never came back. I didn't. I had a guy come to my house four hours after I got saved. Brought, brought a, a half pound of the best methamphetamine anywhere around. And it was fresh washed and fresh cooked. Man, you could smell it way out there. He said, man, you got to try some of this. I said, this is great. This is my first, my first temptation right here. You know what I did? I drug up a chair and looked at it and gummed a little bit and thought about it. And No, I didn't. You know what I did? I picked the whole table up, not the bag. I didn't even want to touch it. I picked the whole table up and walked out the front door of my house with it. Where are you going? I said, I'm fixing to show you. And I dumped that whole thing out all over the grass in the yard, stomped all in it and everything. And he said, you crazy? You out of your mind? I said, no, I got saved tonight. He said, from what? I said, I don't know, but I got saved. <laughs> I didn't know. I was only four hours old, man. I just knew I wasn't going to have nothing to do with that no more because it had been slavery to me for 10 years. Amen. So here I am out here, and this guy's, you know, asking me questions and all that. <laughs> Thinking about shooting me. And one particular time I was out there, I come out there, the Lord said, go out here and talk to these guys about me. And when I got out there, I got past all their guard dogs. I got past all their armed guards they had all over their camp out there. I was invisible. Why? I'll disappear. You can't even see me. Huh? You think that's not real? Yeah, they couldn't see me. I was invisible to them. I walked right up to the head guy, tapped him on the back, and I'll close with this. I said, uh, he said, what are you doing here? I said, I came to talk to you about God. God? God? I said, yep. He said, man, it feels like somebody's watching me all the time. I said, God's watching you all the time. Ask him to quit, please. I said, no, your prayers will affect people's lives in the right way. Amen. 
And then he, he, he said, uh, he said, man, I don't know what to do. I said, I'm here to pray with you. Now, another soldier comes up, hmm? pulled out a sawed-off 12-gauge and said, if you don't keep Jesus in church, I'm going to split your head right now. Yeah. Pulled both hammers back and stuck that thing on the end of my chin right here. And I looked right down the end of the barrel, and I, said, I was going to tell him, by con Dios, man. Yeah, ride with God. Peace of God settled in on me. Whew. No more death, no more crying, no more miserableness, no more stuff. Ooh, gates of pearl. Mm. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. Oh, yeah. Mm. Huh? And he's sitting there trying to pull the triggers in my face, right there in my chin shaking, trying to pull the trigger, and finally I looked him right in the eye, and I stretched out my arms, and I told him, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Amen. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You can't kill no dead man, mister. I realized that day I'd already died, May the 11th, 1980. God picked my corpse up, breathed the breath of life, filled me with the Holy Ghost, and I've been a dead man walking for 43 years. Amen. That's real. Yeah. <laughs> We've got some of the fastest, quickest motorcycles on the face of the earth. I don't have time to tell you about all that. That's why I was going to show you a video. It would make your hair stand straight up and let you hurt them. Top fuelers, man. Yeah. I got time. You got time for a little bit more? If you, want, if you want to hear a little bit more, if you want to hear a little bit more, say, please. please. I just got to know <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs> okay. So you ask, I'm going to tell you a little bit more. <laughs> uh, you ought to have fun in church. I do. Uh, if you're a stick in the mud, man, get out of whatever pot you're stuck in. <laughs> Uh, you can stick your stick in life and enjoy it. It's wonderful. Amen? Whew. All right, let's do this before I tell you, and then I'll pray for you. <laughs> and God answers my prayers because he loves me. Amen? It's not because I'm a nice guy or a cool guy or nothing special about me. I'm a dead guy, remember? Yeah. He answers my prayers because he loves me. He answers them all when people are involved. It don't matter what you got going on. He's going to fix it for you. Amen? <laughs> mm. I was going to tell y'all something right there. Well, back to the bikes, I'll tell you that. Oh, I know what I'm going to do. Before I tell you about the bikes, because Pastor wanted to hear it. Everybody take a deep breath through your nose. Let it out. One more time. Let it out. One more time. Let it out. Now look at your neighbor. And say, neighbor? Amen. Is that your religion I'm smelling right now? Because <laughs> it stinks. <laughs> Amen. Here, here's, here's, here's one bike story. It's a good one. Been working on bikes, racing bikes, and doing stuff. Harleys, uh, by the way. 
pastor came up one time to Sturgis and we're out there at the campground. He rode a, a glorified vacuum cleaner up there. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. It was a, it was a vacuum cleaner. Go, go, go wing. So I don't know. Yeah. No, he rode a go wing up there and uh, come up in the camp with us. And everybody's looking and say, what's that? And I, I don't know. It's a vacuum cleaner or something, I think. And um, anyway, so... <laughs> He come in there, and he, next morning he woke up, and his his, uh, his vacuum cleaner was gone. And he wanted to know, where'd my bike go? He said, you didn't come in on a bike. What are you talking about? Where did your bike go, huh? Anyway, some of the guys picked it up and just went and hid it somewhere. <laughs> just joshing, just having a little fun with him. Amen. Huh? <laughs> we had a guy showed up one time on, a, on one of those things, and... Uh, going to stay with us. Phil Driscoll was with us that day, by the way. He was spending some time with Tribe of Judah up here in Sturgis. And, and we stopped at a store and got some water to drink and everything. We were out somewhere riding. And uh, we, me and Phil were talking and I said, hey man, you see that gold wing out there? I said, that, that thing ain't supposed to be with it. He said, I thought y'all you know, I said, yeah. Anyway, so I bought a big old case of rice patties, you know, and we peeled them open and we went out there and threw them all under his bike. And the guy comes back out, he's a great big guy. And, uh, and he said, what's all that under my bike down there? And Phil said, it's an oil leak. <laughs> he, really, he did. And that guy went over there and ejected five CDs out of his you know, radio or his tape deck or whatever's on that thing. Never heard of motorcycle stuff like that in those days. He, he put all those things, he said, every one of these are yours. And he started throwing them out in the woods. He said, I'll never listen to them again. And I said, what an idiot. That guy's anointed. And I said, your pride just got busted. And he repented. And he couldn't find the CDs. And Phil said, I'll send you some more. <laughs> you do that for me? Yes, I will. <laughs> top fuel. Come on, everybody say top fuel. Yeah. I, we built a bike. It's 175-inch cubic inch top fueler. We were in Belarusa, Louisiana, the first time we ever ran it. And uh, it ran a 689 at 212 miles an hour. Right out of the, I mean, just as soon as we got there. And uh, the HDRA finals were in Las Vegas the next weekend. The reason I wanted to be able to have a top fueler that was competitive is so that we could be a great witness to the lost people. And there were thousands of them, thousands of them in Las Vegas. We showed up out there. Bike didn't even have a paint job yet, huh? It's got one run on it, and it was a good one. We broke it in, broke the buttons in, seated the rings, made one pass with it, put it in the trailer, went straight to Las Vegas with it. Got there, and there were 32 top fuel bikes there. That's the most exciting ones there. The best in the world were there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a 16-bike field, but there's 32 bikes, so 16 are going to get cut instantly and put in an outlaw class. Now, we're like all day long. How long is it going to take for 32 top fuelers to run down and qualify to race? going to take all day and then some. And so we're number four now after several hours to be up there to get in the water box to make our qualifying pass. And the Holy Ghost said, come on, everybody say, the Holy Ghost said... Yeah, the Holy Ghost said, take that thing out of the line and go to the back of the line. And before my mind could try to argue, I said, yes, sir. Come on, everybody say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
I can't hear you. Yes, yeah, when God speaks, that ought to be your reply. Yes, sir. Not, well, what about this? I don't think so. I got, God speaks, you give him respect and honor and say, yes, sir, to whatever he wants. Why? Because he got you on his mind. And if he's got you on his mind, it's going to involve other people, but it's blessing everybody. Amen. Now, if you start reasoning with it, you're going to screw it all up and miss God. Don't do that. Come on, everybody say, I'm not going to do that. And my neighbor's not going to do that. Yeah, the Lord said, take it to the back of the line. I said, I told my crew, get that thing out of the line, go to the back. And they looked at me, I said, don't you say a word. Yes, sir. See, it, 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 it flows down. Yeah, you give honor and respect to God, you'll get it back. I told my crew, take it to the back of the line. I could see the look on their face. But they, yes, sir. We waited to the very last, and we were the last ones. Nobody had gotten over uh, 199 miles an hour in qualifying. 31 bikes all day long. Nobody had gotten in the six-second bracket. 31 bikes all day long. The announcer said, well, this is the last team right here. These boys are from Texas. They say that, uh, you know, <laughs> they say that this is a brand new bike they just built and it says it looks like they're serious about their religion because we got our patches on amen yeah let's see what they can do and then we go to the house fired that thing up did a 671 at 210 miles an hour right out of the box the announcer said, oh, them boys brought God with them to Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, he said, boy, we got a race here now. And then every time the Hells Angels teams and everybody else that was out there, this is what the announcer said. Right here in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada at the Strip, you'll never see this anywhere else. What kind of excitement is there in the air for people to see God against Satan, Jesus against the devil right here? in Sin City, huh? <laughs> Man, they were, they were freaking out over that, and there we were. Years before, years before, God spoke to me about all this. Now, here's the manifestation of it coming right here in his maiden voyage in his first race. We put every one of those bikes on trailers and sent them packing, every one of them. We went to the winner's circle and won the whole race. And the guy that was in the stand said, those boys that are serious about their religion, well, it worked good for them, and we were glad to have them here. We'll never be the same. Wow. Amen. <laughs> I had a friend of mine that had no vocal cords. He got severed, and he was a Baptist boy. When I first got saved, I heard it. Got his throat cut in a wreck, broke his neck, voice box crushed, no vocal cords. His Baptist sister, he was 18 years old, laid hands on him in the name of Jesus, raised him from the dead. Good friend of mine, he just went to be with the Lord, been in ministry for years and years and years. But when I heard about him, say, I want to be around somebody who's been around Jesus. I heard about him and I said, I came to see him. 
I said, I'm a miracle of Jesus. I heard you were too. And I'm just staring at him. He said, can I help you? I said, no, I just want to look at you. <laughs> huh? And he's talking to me and he's singing and stuff in the service and he has no vocal cords. It's my kind of guy. So he's doing a revival. He asked me to come over and be a part of it. And I went over there and I'm brand new in the Lord. I don't know much of nothing. I'm, you know. And in the middle of this service, it's in an all-white church over in Louisiana. And there's a lot of prejudice in the atmosphere. Jesus isn't prejudiced, by the way. Neither should you be. Amen. <laughs> if you are, it's, it's pride and it's fear. And pride is a manifestation of fear. Get delivered of it. Amen. Amen. So I'm, I got long hair and whiskers. I got on a blue jean shirt with snaps on it. I'm sitting over there on the front row enjoying the service. And all of a sudden, this evangelist, Gary Wood, who has no vocal cords, he's been singing and preaching. And he says, it's time for deliverance. And all the white people, all the stuff shirts are sitting there like, hmm. <laughs> Their religion was thinking. And he says, if you want to be delivered from the, the, the jaws of hell, if you want to be delivered from the bondage of Satan, if you want to be delivered from all this stuff and you want to be free, get down here right now. You could have heard a pin drop. All them stuff shirts are just sitting there and they all got problems. And finally, this one great big old black sister in the back said, uh-uh, Satan, I'm done with you, sucker. And she started doing this walk down the center aisle. Uh-huh, you leaving today. Uh-huh. Come on, everybody say, uh-huh. Yeah, man, she's just telling the devil, gonna get off now. I'm done with you, sucker. Get out. And she comes down there and standing in front of the evangelist and he looks over at me and he said, hey, buddy, get behind her right here and catch her. I said, huh? <laughs> he went over there and laid hands on that woman. Big gal. She was bigger than I was. And I was a lot bigger then too. And uh, anyway, bam, he smacked her between the eyes and she said, oh, Lord, oh, oh, Lord. Come on, somebody shout, oh, Lord. Yeah, she's doing that, and the big old arms are going around in circles and all this, and I'm looking like, dear God, what's going on? <laughs> Brother Osteen, he talked about these hairy little black demons. When you cast them out, said, you know, we don't want them in us, on us, around us. And I said, no, I can agree with that. <laughs> now, here we are, and this, this woman's going through all this commotion, and she's carrying on. And, oh, Lord. Yeah. And finally, she falls over into my arms. And I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, went straight back. And she landed on top of me. And when we hit the floor, all the people in church did like that. Boom. <laughs> uh, and I like knocked the wind out of them. I said, oh, man. You know? And I rolled that big old woman off the top of me. And when I went to get up, there was this hairy black demon on my hand. It happened. And I said, oh, it's on me. It's on me. And I started doing like, ah, oh, get it off. It's on me, it's on me. And all those stuffed shirts, oh no. And finally it came out and went right over the top of the congregation. And all them dignified white people were jumping over chairs, losing their dignity and their religion and running for their life. And that thing hit right in the middle of the floor. Woo! And I turned around and looked to help the woman get up. 
And I said, oh, that wasn't no devil, that was her wig, Jesus. <laughs> true story, it's a true story. Mm-hmm. Well, revival broke out in that place. <laughs> That's the good side of it, amen. That big sister got up, she I ain't care about that thing anyway. She said, I'm free, thank you, Jesus, and just went on about her business, amen. All right, it's time to pray. <laughs> I want you to listen to me right now. I want you to be honest with yourself. Forget about everybody else right now. This is between you and Jesus. And this is my reasonable service while I come here to love you and help love you into a place of freedom if you need it. I know there's people that need it. Amen. There's nobody going to do anything to hurt you or condemn you or judge you as long as I'm in the room because God's with me and he ain't going to do that. He's there to help you. Some breakthroughs. Amen. If you're in the balcony or if you're here in the congregation and you're having situations in your life right now that have got you disconnected from what you really desire in God. You're not really free in him like you desire to be or how you once were. Traps and snares and distractions are everywhere, people. Everywhere. But the thing about it is you don't have to buy into them. You can be free and stay free of them. I had a bandito named Engine that come, he's a famous, notorious guy, come into our church one day. He walked in, he was in full color, and he come in. He had already been on death row in, in, in Texas and, and got out and uh, studied law and beat it. But he had done some terrible things and all that, but he come in, and when he did, worship was going on, and he dropped down on his knees and raised his hands up towards heaven. And this is a notorious fellow. And I walked over there and put my arms around him and picked him up and I said, what's going on, Jess? And he said, uh, when I was four years old, and church is still, people still worshiping, it's going on. And he said, when I was four years old, I gave my heart to Jesus and I felt this same thing that I'm feeling right now. Jesus is here. And I said, well, you want to settle some things with him? He said, I do. And we prayed, and he did, and God honored him. The work that God has begun in you, he will perform it and perfect it to the day that he returns. You don't have to go all the way back to peg one. You pick up where you got interrupted, and you continue on with him. No harm, no foul. He loves you. He accepts you and he will help you. The second thing, if you're dealing with habits in your life that are unpleasing to everybody else, to God, and to you, you know what I'm talking about, but regardless of what it is, you don't want to be that way anymore. You don't want to do this, and I'm tired of fighting with it. People talk about freedom. I want to be free. You're tired of being ripped off of your freedom. If you thought about destroying your own life, I shot so much heroin into my body, May the 11th, 1980, and I, I shot two grams of cocaine in me, and then I did as much crystal as I could, shot, shot, and trying to kill myself. 
I mean, and I did enough to kill a horse or two at least. And I was sitting on the floor waiting to die with my heart to explode out of my chest and pass out because I couldn't stand the pain that I was dealing with that nobody could see and nobody understood. See, pain is real if you're experiencing it, regardless if somebody else can recognize it or not. If it's real to you, it's pain. Bartimaeus came to Jesus in the 10th chapter of Mark and started crying out to Jesus. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. What do you want? My sight. He had already been labeled a blind man, a beggar, had to stay in a certain part of town, already been, you know, set apart. They didn't understand, you know, his craving for light because they hadn't experienced the darkness he was in. Nobody can experience the darkness you might be dealing with in your life, but I got good news for you. Jesus will change it all if you just let him. Amen. I don't know how many of you ever hugged a leper. I have. I went to a leper colony and hugged as many of them as I could before they threw me out. Some of them started crying. Some of their digits and stuff had fallen off, rotted off. Some of them had never been touched by a human being. And to hold them in my arms and them to know the warmth of God's arms around them because I was there for God. If you hadn't hugged a leper, you ought to have changed your life. Everybody needs love. Everybody needs acceptance. And he is the one that will accept you and love you unconditionally. He is so good. If you're going through a relationship situation, marriage. I don't have time to get into all that. Men, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He laid his life down for the church. You do the same for your wife. Amen. Amen. And wives, don't be pressuring and dishonoring your husband. Amen. God can fix it. The one you got is enough. Let God fix it. He will. Children, man, oh man, oh man, the pressure on children nowadays and young people. God can help you find your identity and put you on solid ground that you can walk in the Spirit. And by the way, church, walk in the Spirit. Don't fulfill the lust and the pressures of life. Nobody can touch you. That's your way to victory on this earth until he comes. Amen? Let's bow our heads and our hearts for a minute, everybody. And I'm asking you to be honest with yourself for a moment. Maybe I've kept you a bit long. I don't know. I haven't tried to. But you're worth it. And I came a long way. And I'm glad to be here. And I don't want to miss anybody. Because you're worth it. If you're here today and you do not have peace in your heart with God, you say, Pastor, please count me in on this prayer. I need to give my heart to Jesus. Or I've known the Lord, but I've gotten away from him. I'm off track. I need to return to him. I'm talking to you. God's talking to you. If that's you, slip your hand up and hold it there for a minute. I'm going to count you in on a prayer. There's some here, some there. Anybody else? Some over here. Please count me in on this prayer. I need to get my life squared up, squared up with Jesus. There's another there. There's another there. Anyone else? 
The second thing, I've let fear and I've let unforgiveness run rapid in my life and I want it to go away now. If that's you, slip your hand up. Say, pray for me. There's some more there, some more there, some more there. There's some more here. There's some over here, some more over here. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Last thing right here. If you're within the sound of my voice right now, and you have habits in your life that you know are not pleasing to God and they are not good for you, regardless of what it is, and I could name a bunch, but I'm not, anything that is a habit to you and you want to be free of it, that's what this prayer is about right now. Pastor, count me in on this prayer as well. I want to be free from things that have been bondage to me. There you go. Hands everywhere. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, I'm not going to ask everybody to come down, but I am going to ask everybody that raised their hands to stand to their feet. Everybody. If you raise your hand or if you need to be up on this, get up right now. Please, just let God touch you. See, coming to church and sitting in a chair, sitting on a pew, or just showing up and sitting there doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. Huh? Yeah. You got to let what's going on in here get inside of you and help you. Okay? Anybody else? You need to be up on this prayer right now. Stand to your feet. Anybody else? I know there are. Quickly, quickly. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? I'm going to be honest. Today's my day of breakthrough. Stand up. There you go. Anyone else? We got any tough guys that need to be delivered? <laughs> God make a real man out of you and put his heart in you. Woo! Man. If that's you, stand to your feet. Let him do it. Amen. Now, I'm going to pray and lead you in a prayer. Okay? Fair enough? All I'm asking you to do is to be serious about it, be honest about it, and to say it with your own mouth where you can hear it with your own ears. Okay? You've already made all the steps you need to make for the platform to be set. You're standing now. And the presence of God is here with you. You're not alone. And I want everybody else in the congregation to pray as well. The same prayer right out loud where God can move. Y'all ready? Here we go. Say it with me. Jesus, Jesus. I, believe I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for me. 
that you shed your lifeblood on the cross at Calvary to destroy the effect of sin concerning my life forever. I believe that God raised you from the dead, that you're alive right now, and that the power of your resurrection conquered and defeated death, hell, and the grave for me. I accept you, Jesus. I confess you, Jesus, as my Lord, as my Savior. I yield to the process of God working in my life right now. I turn my heart, I turn my mind, I turn my body away from sin in the world. And I thank you, Lord, that you help me every step of the way, and I am trusting you to do so every step of the way. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive every person, every circumstance that has ever violated me, that has ever done me wrong. I forgive them all. I let it all go right now. And I thank you, Lord. You forgive me as well. And I receive it by faith in your word, which does not lie, which cannot change. These things are forever settled in heaven and in this earth that's standing here right now, today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now be, be real still for a second. I'm going to pray over you. Now this is a favor that I asked Jesus to do for me. Okay? The Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm asking that the same delivering power, the same rescuing power, the same transforming power that you did in my life to totally change and transform everything. As a favor to me, I ask that you would do the same for each and every one of these, my brothers, my sisters, my family. And Lord, it's not about shouting and jumping and all that right now. This is about you loving people into a place of wholeness. And I speak blessings over them. I take authority over satanic things and demonic things that influence people in wrong ways. Bind you and cast you out now in Jesus' name. Leave. Get out. Fear, get out. And stay away from people's lives. This is God's property. Now I plead the blood of Jesus and I loose the anointing of God. I release 
I allow the anointing of the Holy Spirit of the living God to touch each and every heart and life, every mind, every body, in every area. In Jesus' name. Now, if you receive that, slip both your hands up and say, I receive it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want you to be seated for just a second. It's been an honor and a joy to be here with you today. Don't really know if I'll ever see any of you here on this earth again. I don't ever forget faces ever, even though they change a lot. <laughs> that was part of my job description when I was a heathen to look in somebody's eyes and you never forget them. Never. No matter what they try to change about themselves. That's why I've been looking at people. I've been remembering, taking notes. These are all my family. These are all my brothers. These are all my sisters. It's been wonderful. I started praying after I got saved. And this is a prayer that somebody in here needs to receive today. After a whole lifetime passed, I said, Lord, I know my dad's alive somewhere, and I pray for him to be saved. I love him, and I would love to meet him. And it was just a couple of weeks I found out he was alive and well. I found out where he was, and the first time we laid eyes on each other in a whole lifetime, I waited all day long sitting on a pile of rocks and they said he'll be here about 4.30 he always does and when he pulled up he looked over and he didn't know who I was I still had long hair and whiskers and all that you know and he was a little bit apprehensive at first and I didn't I said I know this him you know why because when I was just a kid he'd always stick his finger out and say take my finger son Everything going to be all right. That's all I learned about fatherhood right there. When our first baby was born, I didn't know what to say, and I'm holding her, not him, her. And she's just my minute old, 45 seconds old, never touched a kid in my life. And I'm looking at her, and I don't know what to do. I didn't know what to do to be a husband. I didn't know what to do to be a dad. And I said, uh, I said, hi, I'm your dad. I love you. Here's my finger if you want it. <laughs> and you know that little sticky, gooey baby? And he wiped her off. She just, she peeled both eyes open and looked me right in the heart. And she reached up and took my finger. And she become one of my best friends on this planet. Amen. Miss Tammy was saying, let me see her. I said, no, get your own. She's mine. <laughs> I've learned how to be a dad because God anointed me to, and it's been wonderful. When I saw my dad after a lifetime, he got out of that vehicle, and this is for somebody here today. And we looked at each other, and we started to walk towards one another, and it was from here to the end of the steps outside. 
and we made about 10 steps, and then both of us took off running. I mean, we ran for each other, and both of us big guys, bam, grabbed each other, hugged each other, started kissing each other on the lip, on, not on the lips, but on the cheek. <laughs> I would have if I could have. You know what happened in that? Everything that was horror, everything that was torture, everything that was discouragement, everything that it cost and caused disappeared instantly. And God reunited us. And I said, Lord, I said, Jesus. I said, Dad, this is just like when I was five years old. He says, I know, son. I don't understand it. God healed it all. And I was able to pray for him later, and he got born again. And then I got to do his home going. Huh? <laughs> pray about that loved one. Does your dad pray? If he's still around, ask God for a divine appointment. It'll happen. God loves you. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 9.30, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.